Hello, everybody. This is the Genesis Podcast. I'm Ryan, a grade 12 Genesis student. And I'm Marcus. I'm also a grade 12 Genesis student. And you're listening to the Genesis Podcast here with our guests, John and Sam. Uh, so my name is Sam, and I am one of the Genesis adults um, leading the older, one of the older sets. I am 25 years old, and I am currently at Tyndale University studying to be a teacher. Uh, my name is John. I've been serving as a Genesis adult leader for, I think, 10 years. Uh, I'm an elementary school teacher. I am 31, and this year I'm leading the grade sevens. So, all right. Sam, I think I know you from softball a bit. Uh well, not a bit. You were the coach of the Sacrifice softball team. But other than that, how, how do you guys know each other? How did you guys meet? I think my memory serves as I met John when I was in elementary school um, because I have two older brothers. And at that time, they were in Genesis. John was in Genesis. And then they wanted to play a game called Smash, like Super Smash Brothers Melee. And they brought me along to their house. And I think that's how I first met John. John, what do you remember? Yeah, that seems accurate. I was grade 12 when I think Sanchi was in grade 9. Um, and then I had graduated high school, um, went into the real world, as Shermaine calls it, and then came back eventually as an adult leader, um, had Santos uh, in Genesis as a student, and then Sam as a student. Um, so back when Genesis was in person, there were a lot of different ministries, one of them being outreach um, once a month where we would invite, we have the students invite all their friends. So we would play a bunch of games um, and I was in charge of that. And then I uh, had Sam plan regularly with me. So that's how we got to know each other better. Oh, okay. So this is like a okay. master student type of relationship or master apprentice type of relationship that first day apprentice yeah that's that's good and then sam eventually just took over and then he helped other people learn how to uh lead and plan outreach okay. as well okay yeah that's that's good to see sam passing on uh, his skills that he's learned from you i don't i don't know if i would even consider like a master apprentice i think growing up and like seeing john it felt like he was just more of like an older brother to me i don't i don't know that's just the way i always thought of it, the relationship that i had with him okay okay so you two go way back like not even just at school but also in church so how did you come to serve in genesis so for me i went through genesis and i was also a student leader my time in genesis um, and then I graduated, uh, went to York, and then it was about second year, um, I think near the set, end of my second year, um, the Carol had approached me asking um, about whether I wanted to serve in Genesis. And I think um, for me, I saw the value um, that Genesis had in my own life, and I also wanted to contribute in that. And also because at that time I was also working towards becoming a teacher, um, and so working with youth was always something that I always wanted to do. Um, so 
putting that together, um, it just felt like it was the right place for me to go. It was to serve in Genesis. Uh, okay, so um, you guys are both teachers. So, you know, how the pandemic, everything's online. How has the pandemic affected your jobs as uh, teachers? So for me, um, I don't actually like teaching that much online. I think there's a lot of physical cues that you get when you're teaching in person that you lose online. Like, for example, I'm sure uh, Marcus and Ryan, you see this too, is just that like in online classroom, nobody has their camera. So you can't really see what's going on in their minds or like how they're feeling during the lesson. So I've been having a hard time kind of figuring that out. Which is one of the, the big things for me is just I, I don't like the onlineness. There's no interaction. I can't talk and be friends with people. Yeah, I, I think mine's fairly similar. <laughs> I think I'm fortunate in that my my students love having their cameras on. They like seeing each other. Um, so there's that. But at the same time, I think teaching is meant to be in person. You know, they miss talking to their friends and playing together during snack and recess and things like that. Um, and in terms of how it affects me, teaching is much harder online. The younger the kids are, I think the harder it could be. How do you really assess, how do you assign work that's accessible to everybody? You know, not everyone has um, the same technology. I have kids joining on iPads and computers, laptops, PCs. Um, some have good internet and some don't. Um, some have slow internet, some have like, um, brothers and sisters bugging them all the time so it's it's been hard but they're they're troopers yeah it's really great hearing both of your perspectives because like as students we also feel like there is a disconnect between the students and the teachers and honestly I'm also pretty guilty of um, of not turning on my camera so like you're really definitely like building that connection and, and helping me develop some more uh, empathy for you guys because it must have been a pretty difficult job. How did you two uh, know that you wanted to become a teacher? Like, why, why did you think that it would fit you? That's a good question. Um, I think for me, I always just loved helping others. I think watching uh, my friends, like, grow and learn, and then, like, kind of like the light bulb moment when they finally, like, it clicks in and they understand and they get it. I think to me that feels really great. Not just because not well, not because it's like, oh, I'm really good at teaching them, but it's like the the joy that they have of like, I get it, I can do it, I can I can keep learning, I can keep growing. I think that's really something that made me happy to see. Sam, that's very encouraging to hear. I, I wish more teachers are like you. <laughs> um for me, I it started in grade twelve. Um, wanting to go where God um, was leading me. I wasn't necessarily good at anything. Um, I'd apply to all these different things, but through um, circumstance and a lot of prayer, um, my cell in Genesis prayed a lot for me. Uh, my adult leader, Shamin, um, me, myself, did a lot of praying, ended up going to um, a program called Child and Youth Care at Ryerson. And then in there, a, a lot more circumstances led to me um, applying to Teachers College, 
and then more circumstances and answer prayers seems like going into um, the Toronto District School Board and then getting my first classroom and then every year after that seemingly going to um, a place where God was leading me um, and along the way I've kind of found out that inside me was um, some things that God had been planting to prepare me to be a teacher yeah so it's kind of like I, I see it in in front of me is like all this darkness I don't know if um, Ryan or Marcus, you feel like this going forward as you uh, look forward to past past high school. But at the end of my high school year, I had no idea what was in front. But every step I took, I would look down and I'd see that I'm on the path and I just keep walking forward. And I look back and it's been a long winding path, but um, God's led me to a place that I think um, he wants me and that I'm, um, I'm doing good here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really so, good to hear. Yeah, that is good to hear um, that both of you are uh, seeking God's vocation for you guys. Um, but with, with, so with that in mind, um, how, how do you continue to find motivation to um, carry out this vocation of teaching, especially online that God has given you? I think it ultimately boils down to like, why am I here? Or like, what am I trying to do? And I think it's a daily reminder for myself that even though like I might not be feeling like I want to be teaching, like I know these kids might not be responding to what I'm doing, um, but this is where God has placed me. And like, as these kids are placed in front of me, I know that God loves these kids as much as he loves me. So my job is simply to love them. And I think it's just that simplicity of just loving them is what keeps me moving, keeps me going. I was going to say mine's pretty much the same as yours, Sam. Um, it, I know God loves me. And I know Jesus died on the cross for me. And I know that's the case for everybody else, including these kids. Um, and I, so I see it as a big responsibility that God loves this every single one of these students in a class and he's given them to me he's entrusted them to me for a full year so it's a responsibility i think i take really seriously um and so taking it seriously it's i think therein comes like the motivation um you know to do the best for these kids to help them to learn to help them develop as um good people it's not always easy online kind of suck online kind of sucks but um yeah there you go yeah, and especially given these circumstances, like, I feel like your motivations are really, really admirable. And it's just really nice how you were able to bring God to this and to uh, see him as an example and his love as a way to just know how to treat the students with a similar kind of love. And so more on the spiritual side of things, how did you know that you were called by God to pursue teaching as a career? And are there any signs or answered prayers or anything in specific that reaffirmed how you heard this calling to teach? Oh, what a, what a loaded question. I love it. <laughs> um, I think it really came down to like my skill sets. I think academically, I never really excelled at um, school. Uh, school was always difficult for me and I would have to 
put in extra effort just to kind of just be average or like provincial standard, right? And so for me going through this, it, it made me want to help others uh, while they were going through their journey. Um, and yeah, like also with my skill sets, I didn't feel like like business or those kind of things was what uh, God was calling me towards. I think I've always had a personality that always wanted to help. And I think teaching was just kind of the way God brought me to, I think. Uh, university and the journey there. Okay, that's, that's good to hear that you'd like to help students through struggles that you yourself have experienced through school and education. Now, most of my peers, when they say they want to help people, uh, they usually say they want to become like a doctor, lawyer, engineer, and uh, those jobs are great, right? But I've rarely heard any of them say, or any of them say that they want to become a teacher, right? Because I guess to them, the memory of a teacher is associated with uh, struggles and pain and not solutions. And now since Marcus and I are going to university this September, um, how about you tell us about how God has helped you through your university journey and uh, what challenges has he overcome for you? Um, my university journey hasn't been the easiest. Um, again, like I said, it's just like education and like learning in the system hasn't always been easy for me. Um, so one thing that I don't mind sharing with others is that like I actually failed a university course um, and it was actually a French course that I actually needed um, and because of that like I got held not held back another year but it, it took me another year to to finish the, uh, my undergrad program um, the funny thing is so it was a four-year program and because I failed that course it took me five years to complete it but then after my fifth year, as I was applying to teachers' colleges, I was rejected from all of them. Um, so that really hit me really hard because I, I always thought that like being a teacher and getting into teachers' colleges was what God always wanted me to do. And so when I couldn't get into any of them, it really made me reflect on like, am I in the right place? So I took a gamble and I put everything I had in trust in God and I'm like you know what God I'm gonna do another year I'm gonna improve uh, the, the degree that I'm gonna get so going from a major and a minor to a double major and I'm gonna apply again um, so I ended up spending six years in a four-year program and then I got accepted into Tyndale which was in itself a miracle uh, because um, other universities also rejected me, but then Tyndale, I was put on the waitlist, and I didn't think I even deserved to be on the waitlist because I didn't do that well um, in the written portion of the exam. Um, but I still made it in, and like Tyndale is like Christian University. Um, I know the program's really good, and in terms of like living accommodations and whatnot, I can just stay at home. Everywhere else, I had to go and move. Um, so God has really worked in my life uh, in university to bring me to where I am right now. 
Yeah, that's really great to hear. And I feel like that could have been like easily a blessing in disguise. And and it's so great to hear how God's led you to this part in your life. And now transitioning to John, since you've been teaching for so many years now, what's been your experience and how has God been present at the jobs that you've had at different schools? Well, thank you for your question. It's kind of like my experience has kind of been similar to Sam's in that God opened door. God opened doors where I didn't think doors would have been opened. Um, when I graduated from teacher's college and actually went into the field of teaching, it was very hard to get a teaching job. I think my cohort of like 72 people graduating from OISE had three interviews with TDSB among those 70-something people. Um, and I didn't see why I should have been one of those three. My marks there weren't particularly amazing. Um, but somehow I got in and then immediately I got a great, wonderful class. And I remember praying. I was so anxious about having my own class. I, I, I remember walking into the grade three classroom and then I'm like, okay, it's gonna, it's gonna be okay. And then the kids looked at me and they said, what are we learning today? And I realized, oh yeah, I have to decide that. It's, it, this is my class and I gotta do something with my class. Um, and every year since then, um, God's been gracious. Every year or two, because as a young teacher, you move around a lot. It's hard to get a permanent spot at a school. God's been present in that he's always given me um, a school to be at next year, which wasn't always the case for um, younger teachers beginning their careers. Um, and every year I've gotten a chance to work with different kids and gain experiences. Yeah, and I think that's still going on today. Yeah, that's um, great. So Sam is an upcoming teacher, right? So what would um john what advice have you given to sam um you know as he is going through this process of becoming a full-time teacher so sam and i like we mentioned earlier we go way back and we're really good friends um so we talk fairly regularly uh in terms of advice i, I don't know i think sam has really good intuition um we've kind of uh, gone over the more technical stuff together, like lesson planning, um, differentiating instruction, putting lessons together, finding ways of um, putting together assessment pieces where kids can show their understanding, um, things like that. Yeah, I mean, from, from my standpoint, I think I can also kind of answer that question. I think a lot of the advice is always, a lot of it's also like trusting God that like what I'm going through, like the challenges and struggles I'm going through, there is a reason for it. Like it hasn't always been smooth sailing, um, but John has always supported me and always telling me that like the challenges I'm going through is going to help me grow and like mold me into the teacher that God wants me to be. And it's going to prepare me so that when I'm on the job, like, I'm going to be ready. I'm not going to have, like, a panic moment or just be ill-prepared. I'm going to be ready. And so that's always been a great encouragement that John has always given me throughout my journey. Yeah, and that's really valuable advice that will help you throughout the rest of your teaching career. I think I heard 
John mentioned that Sam, you had a good intuition and that just kind of triggered the MBTI nerd inside of me. And I was wondering, um, do you know your MBTI personality types? Oh, I remember doing this not that long ago with John, but... And we were the uh, same. We had the same yeah. personality it, type. John, do you remember? Uh, I just looked it up. It's ISFJ. <laughs> okay, close enough. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Frankly speaking, I would have guessed ENFJ, the, the first thing you said. I don't know why you strike me. Both of you strike me as an ENFJ. Maybe John as an INFJ. I'm not quite sure. I'm sure Marcus probably felt the same as me as well. But, um, ISFJ. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What's the difference between ENFJ and INFJ? Just the extroverted, introverted? There are many layers to, to it, but uh, simply put, generally, your first letter can determine whether you're more socially introverted or extroverted. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's more complicated than the four letters because um, this is based off of Jungian psychology and cognitive functions, but we won't get into that. Um, <clears throat> Marcus is a INFP, I'm pretty sure, and I myself would like to think I'm an ENTP based off of the tests. So, um, yeah. I think having known Sam for a while, Sam, oh, would you say that's accurate that uh, you and I are both fairly introverted? Yeah, I think something that people... Like, I think it's the way people know us and see us in, in like, a general public setting. It does seem like John and I are quite extroverted. But when it really comes down to it, I think we're both, like, pretty introverted. And I'm, like, on the extreme end of introversion. Like, since this pandemic has started, I have been thriving in this condition. I love being at home, like, by myself, just doing my own thing. I've been loving that. That's uh, that's that's great to hear. I, I think it's it's an up and down for me personally. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I like being alone and not being bothered, but sometimes I need social interaction. But um, with with that in mind, um, I'm gonna throw we're gonna throw some quick fire questions at you. All right, and you're just gonna answer, give a short explanation. Um, so yeah, uh, first question, pineapple on pizza or no? Pineapple on pizza. I don't like, I'll, I'll eat pizza. Any kind of pizza you want to give me, I'll eat it. Mm, okay. So pizza's pizza's free. Yeah. Yeah. And pineapple on pizza is okay for me. I, I have nothing against those on either side of the extremes. What is the last gift that you gave someone? Mm, I think I would have say cookies i think something that i try to do especially because of the way the pandemic is running um i just bake cookies for my friends and i just deliver to them as just like a an appreciation or as a i still like like i'm thinking of you praying for you kind of thing um i think i made a plush of a baseball player to a buddy of mine who's a baseball fan yeah, it's really great how both of your gifts were um, were handmade and 
that really shows how much thought that you both put into it. All right. If So say you own an elephant, uh, you can't sell it or give it away. What do you do with it? I can't sell it or give it away? Yeah, no, it's yours forever. You, you have to keep it. Um, I don't know. Maybe you make some sort of like, not like circus, but some sort of an attraction kind of style so that people can meet my elephant. I guess and just like take pictures. I don't know. Like I don't know what it like. I don't know what an elephant can do and cannot do. I don't really so, know so, much about elephants. So is it is it like a a petting zoo, but for an elephant? Like you just parade your elephant around. Yeah, honestly, oh, okay. I, I don't know much else I I would be able to do with it if I can't sell it or give it away. Like if it's mine, yeah. I gotta do something with it. That's yeah. That's fair. This might be against the spirit of the question, but I would lend it if that's possible to a zoo or people that can study elephant conservation come on john that's such a nah another answer come uh, on man. no you can't do that right. that's that's giving it away no i think i have to quit school and do one of those like uh have you guys heard of scientists in the classroom where they go school to school and teach kids science oh, yeah, okay. fun, but yeah oh okay. yeah it's like an elementary thing. So maybe I could do a version of elephant at the school where we bring elephant and teach kids about animals. You're going to bring a full-size ele- elephant to a uh, school. Yeah, or or I could combine with Sam's circus thing and we turn it from a circus to something more positive. Now the circuses aren't good, but I, I hear they're not always the best animals. We take care of our elephants, both of us, and then we would bring classes to visit them. Okay. All right. All right. You would definitely visit if I was a student. Okay. There you go. We got business already. (laughs) You got business. Yeah. And, and more, more like on the topic of, of like, of really crazy possibilities that would obviously never happen, but it would be cool if they did. If you could go into any fictional universe and swap um, places in life with any fictional character in that fictional universe, who would it be and what universe would it be in? That's a... I don't know. I think most of the things that I watch or read, I don't want to be in any of those worlds because it's usually like they're like villains that are like very harmful and mean and evil i don't want to be part of any of those places or worlds you uh strike me as a uh, superhero fan (laughs) judging by your assessment of universes yeah but even for superheroes they would like like let's just take like batman for an example right i would not want to be part of that universe and live in like gotham because that place is filled with like violence and crimes (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, the worst that could happen to you is, like, you get mugged. The, I mean, the best that could happen to you is you get mugged, and the worst is, like, the Joker launches a nuke at Gotham. And, yeah, not fun. <laughs> I, Sam, I'm the opposite. I would love to be, maybe not in Gotham, but I, I'd be Ash Ketchum, so I could catch Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would this mean you're a 10-year-old again? Or, like, would you be catching Pokemon as a 
what, 27, 28 year old? As a 31 year old? Maybe I could be oh. a gym leader. <laughs> swap places in life. It doesn't say swap life. I, I don't know how you would phrase that, but swap places. Yeah, maybe not Ash. Maybe a Giovanni or somebody. You want to be evil, John? <laughs> I'm just swapping. I'm not swapping my personality. I'm swapping places. No, John, I feel like you're going to become evil if you did that. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really interesting how you both have like totally different answers. Um, and, and it just goes to show like how different and how unique God made every single one of us. <laughs> yes, uh, self-acceptance is critical. I think after that question, uh, maybe it's, it's good to accept yourself and your life. Maybe your life isn't as bad as you uh, think it is. But let's just say it was one day you hit rock bottom and you're marooned on an island, okay? And for some reason, you could only choose one food and one drink to eat with no worries to nutrition. Um, what would you choose? Hmm. Is there like a variety in the sense of like, if I, let's just say I chose sushi, is it just like one kind of sushi or is it like a variety of sushi? Same thing with the drink. Um, I don't, what, Marcus, what would you say about sushi and a variety? I, I don't know. I would know just much say yes sushi. to a reasonable extent. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm, sure. So, yeah. To a reasonable extent. Okay. Then I think I would say like a Poke Bowl. Because I think a Poke Bowl kind of has everything you need. It has your protein. It has your carbs. It has your fats. It has your vegetables. It has everything you need. So I think I'm set on that. And I think for drink. Can't believe I'm saying this. But I think I'm going to go with bubble tea. There's so many different kinds of flavors. And like ways to, to have bubble tea. So I think... Pokeball and bubble tea. Wait, I'm sorry. Pokeball's a sushi, is it? Yeah, Wait. well, it's just not in, like, the rolled-up version. It's literally just, like, a rice in a bowl <laughs> with all the toppings Oh, there. okay. I was uh, a little confused. Sam, I like that you're still thinking about nutrition, even though you don't have to worry about nutrition. Yeah, I mean, it's been ingrained in, into me, so... Uh, I think I would pick pasta because if we're allowed different varieties, I think there's a lot of different flavors you can get from pasta that I can have and not go crazy eating the same thing every day. And I, bubble tea, the bubble tea take, I agree with. I would, I think I'd do that too. Pasta, pasta. That sounds like um, that. That sounds like I don't know if you've ever played like sports. That sounds like something your coach would uh, tell you to pick because coaches are always emphasizing to eat pasta before games or whatever. Yeah, really? But it makes it's, you yeah, fear. It's carbo-loading. No, it's like the, 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 the night before, yeah, like pasta, carbs. I think it has like complex carbs to give you more energy to go on. So, yeah. yeah. And still on the topic of food, what's your go-to McDonald's order? Go to McDonald's order. I don't really ever go to McDonald's. It's not something I've like ever really craved. Um, but if my go-to is probably the value menu. It's just nice and cheap and like satisfying enough. I don't know. 
what's that called? Like a McDouble, I think. Just like two McDoubles and like a drink. No pickles. No pickles. I don't like pickles. Uh, I, I can relate to that. I do not <laughs> like pickles. It's, it's, Same here. Yeah. Oh. It ruins the texture and flavor of a burger, I think. Uh, I, I would do 20-piece chicken nuggets, sweet and sour, Coke Zero, and fries. Coke Zero? Yeah, you got to balance um, out the diet somehow. Isn't Coke Zero, like, worse because they have artificial sweetener? Maybe in the long run, but it's zero calories. <laughs> okay. Zero calories because um, you're trading it off for the 20 nuggets he's eating. <laughs> okay, so... Next question. Speaking of the long run, if you had like, this question is a bit heavier, so I'll give you some time to think about it. But if you had the choice to either painfully pass away within the next hour or peacefully die at the end of human history, meaning you're the last person living on this earth, um, which would you choose? Oh man, I think both of them, I don't think I would want to choose either of them, but I think if I had to make the choice, oh, the painfully, like, I don't deal well with pain, but I also don't want to live that long. I think I'm going to go with pass away painfully, because I think the longer you live, the more painful experiences will accumulate. And I think that's going to be worse than just like the momentary pain that I experience. I don't want to live that long. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you not want to live that long? Cause like, you're not going to have any friends and family around by like that time. Yeah. I think, uh, if I live until the end of time, however long that is, I think watching, my family and friends and loved ones come and go does not sound very appealing and like the hardships i would have to go through i don't yeah i don't know that doesn't sound very fun to me i don't i don't want to experience that okay if peacefully dying at the end of human history am i in good physical shape do i live the next thousand or so years in good health or am i like bedridden i figured by the end of human history you know god would have already have uh, whisked you up to heaven if you're the last person on earth so i suppose that doesn't really matter but but are you more concerned about than the time leading up to the end of uh the end of human history or or I think I would choose that one if I know that I can still like move about and live and fulfill my daily functions and tasks. I don't want to pass away painfully, not because of the pain. I don't want the people around me to feel sad. I guess if I live long enough and everyone starts dying, I'll be more numb to it. But if I'm also in bad shape, then that kind of sucks to be in a bed for thousands of years. That would suck. So if I'm not bedridden, I would choose that one. If I am bedridden, then I'll die right now. Okay. All right. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting about uh, both of your, your different perspectives about death and how, and, and just how you see it and how your experiences can shape your perspectives. 
I think it was um, I was a little shocked when John said, um, "If I live for a long time, people all around me will die, and I'll sort of just get used to it." And Sam was like, "I can't quite deal with uh, people dying all around me as as I go throughout history." Um, I I I thought uh, like I'm more like I I, I can more so understand like sam's view and i was a little shocked by um like your view john of yeah. i'll get used to it eventually but don't you think that will have like a mental toll on you even if you like not you're numb to it i'm sure it'll have a mental toll but if i were to die in the next hour people would be uh, like more people would be sad than if i keep living then fewer people will be sad that's me. I'll be sad. I'll, I'll be more sad because more people would die, but fewer people will have to be sad. Okay. I, I see. Yeah. Thanks so much for, um, for this discussion and for all your interesting um, takes on the questions that we asked. So what's some advice that you would give to our listeners and some main takeaways you want them to just walk away with after listening to this podcast? I think the advice that I would want to give to my listeners right now is it's okay to fail, especially when you are trusting God with your plans. I think going back to when I shared about my university and like failing and getting rejected, I think it ultimately ended up being okay because I had trusted God along the process all the way. Um, and it's not like he ever brought, like trusting God means that everything's going to go smoothly. But if God wants me to be somewhere, he's going to get me there one way or another. And so it's about the journey of how I get there. Um, and it really comes down to whether or not you are going to trust and like genuinely put your trust and your hope in God through their process because I think failing really does teach you so much um, about who you are and about who God is as well and how he is faithful through all that no matter what happens in your life and I think that's something that I want you to be able to experience as well is that like God is good no matter what is happening in your life even when you are failing and and my encouragement to you the listeners would be to find out for yourself it's we can tell you how faithful god has been to us um if you feel like god is calling you somewhere test it against god's word in the bible uh, continue to pray and seek the holy spirit ask mature christians around you and then ultimately i would encourage you to take a step of faith um, and experience god and his leading yourself and then hopefully you'll have these wonderful stories of your own to tell uh, so that'd be my encouragement. And also, if you're hesitant about taking the vaccine, uh, I would encourage you to take the vaccine or look into it so COVID can be over and we can return to some sense of normalcy. Yeah, it's it's great hearing your advice on how we should just trust God throughout pretty much everything in life and to keep our faith in him at all times and how you also shared your stories and the difficulties that you've experienced and how God's been able to carry both of you through all of this and how us as listeners, uh, we can apply that in our own lives to keep trusting God throughout our 
uh, the rest of our life um, through all the ups and downs and to just uh, grow closer with him and to trust him and develop a stronger relationship with him. I think the advice about not being afraid to fail is a good piece of advice because I would say that um, sometimes I can be a bit of a perfectionist and I know people around me to be a bit of a perfectionist and um, it's it's not a bad thing to um, like seek I guess perfectness but I think sometimes we can get too caught up in it and um, it'll cause anxiety so it's it's good to hear an adult tell you it's okay to um, fail because God's got your back so thank you for that piece of advice from both of y'all and I guess that wraps it up for today. Thanks everyone for uh, coming on here and listening. And I hope to uh, see you guys soon. Thanks for having um, us. Yeah, thank you so much. See you guys next month. Good day, good evening, good morning. Whenever you're listening to this, goodbye.